You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville teaching pastor, Matt Humphrey. Hey, welcome. We're so glad you guys are with us this morning um, for this really, really cool day, Father's Day. Um, you know, when I, I think back about stories from my childhood growing up uh, with my dad. I remember this one time, um, I've said this before, but we never went on vacation, we just moved. And so we turned it into a road trip usually. Uh, But one summer uh, we moved from California to Louisiana and we went like California, Louisiana, Tennessee, Maryland, Tennessee, California. It was like, it took a whole summer. Um, And uh, we, we stopped in like the all the sites, you know, we, we stopped at the Grand Canyon, we stopped at the Painted Desert. If you've never been to the Painted Desert or the Petrified Forest, I got a picture to show you what it looks like, beautiful. Like, just like, man, it looks incredible. Uh, and as a kid, but also in the next picture of it, um, you can, um, you don't have to hike this thing, which is cool. As a kid, you're like, you can just pull up to it and get out the car and look. Um, and so we got out, we're looking at this, and um, all of a sudden, my dad just starts going frantic, like, over the edge of this thing. Like it's, it's, there's a little bit of a steep thing. I mean, there's a little bit of a gradual and then it gets steep. And so my dad all of a sudden is frantic, like running down there, like, like a child has fallen down. And so people are like gathered around. They're like, where's the kid? You know, they're, they're starting to help. They're going to like, I don't know, trying to get rope out of their car or something to, to spelunk down this hill. Um, none of us fell down. It was my dad's redskin hat that blew off of his head. He was an avid Redskin fan. And, and so like, all these people are like, where's the kid? He's like, it's not a kid, it's my hat. They're like, what? And he's like risking life to go down and get this hat that he just got. And so it, all these people are kind of like, well, I, I, I appreciate the commitment here, but like you could die. And so I kid you not, he climbs down this thing with people on looking and he rescues his hat. And he's like, that's how it's done. Um, he did not want to part with it. Uh, but man, I, I, so many fond memories. My, my dad was a bit spastic at times, and so uh, that made the story even funnier if you knew him. Uh, but it was just, man, what a, what, a, what a fun thing looking back on. But when you think about the idea of, of fatherhood, of, of the important role of a dad, um, you know, sometimes we're, we're at these intersections where like it's Mother's Day, it's Father's Day. Do we, do we make the day about that? But any opportunity that we can get to speak to who we are called to be, the responsibility that God has given us, it's worth talking about. Um, and so I, I've shared this before, but the important aspect of this is, this is like secular studies. They look at the ramifications of, of homes without dads. They look at the ramifications of, of fatherless homes. And the statistics are absolutely crazy. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. That's 32 times the national average. Those that come from fatherless homes, 90% of, 90, of those that are homeless uh, and runaways, 90% of them come from fatherless homes. Um, 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Um, 85% of all youth in prison come from fatherless homes. One in five inmates grew up without a father present. Um, so I, I do, I wanna address the men today. I wanna address the fathers in the room um, and, and talk about 
what God has called us to do, the importance of fatherhood, the, the, the role that we play, not to diminish other roles, but God has uniquely gifted wives and women to be one way and men to be another way and, and fathers. And so I wanna, I wanna speak to that. And here's, here's kind of the catch 22 with it, right? Is that as dads, we have the perfect example, right? We have the perfect heavenly father as the perfect example of what it means to be a father. On the flip side of that, you're like, that's an unwinnable expectation. <laughs> like, I'm never gonna hit the mark. You're never gonna get a gold star for the day, right? Um, and so it's this, it's this beautiful, like, uh, tension that we live in of, of having God as our, as our perfect father and trying to walk in that truth and trying to walk in his ways. Um, but let me also clarify this for just a moment, is that you don't have to be dad to be a dad. I've met more stepdads that are better dads than biological dads. I've met more spiritual fathers that are better fathers than biological fathers. Um, so whether there's a grand in front of your name, whether there's a step, whether it doesn't matter, whether it's uncle in front of the name, but the role of a dad is vitally important. The role of, of, of men speaking life into children is vitally important significant and important, and we can't begin to diminish that. And so, um, so if, if you're like, well, I'm a woman, what do I have? Don't tune out, because these uh, four simple things, but these principles are applicable to, if you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're a dad or not, uh, these are applicable. And so I just wanna, um, I wanna begin to unpack this. So four truths um, about dad, about dads. Uh, number one is that courage is required. Courage is required. Um, I, I heard this, <laughs> Comedian said, I couldn't find it, but it was like, uh, talking about wars, it's like, man, wars would not happen if dads just handled this uh, like dads do in the playground. Like, hey, knock it off. Like, you get over here, you get over here. Like, fix this, you know? Like, we, we wouldn't have problems. But, but, but dads, being a dad requires courage. Um, for some reason, stories from dads have this, like, legendary status. Um, I remember some from my childhood, one of, that my dad told me in particular, I don't know how true it is or not, I don't want to know. Okay, because it lives in legendary status in my head and I don't want to diminish it. But he told this story to me one time, several times I've had him, I had him tell me, um, is that when he was younger, um, his, one of his uh, siblings was getting attacked by a dog in the neighborhood. Uh, the dog was probably six feet tall, who knows. Um, this is the story in my head. Um, and I kid you not, his dad was, was, was kind of like a... a not super present, but he was there. He was, a, he was a man's man. And he, his way of dealing with his child being drugged off down the street by a dog was he came up off the front porch, he picked up a tire iron, like the, the four-star one, and he chucks it. It could have been a football field length, I don't know. And it hits the dog in the neck. Don't know if the dog died or not. It's better if he died. And lets the kid go, and then he goes back to like working on a car or something. I, 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 I kind of don't want to know the specifics because if it was like a four-foot distance, it's not as cool as picturing my, my grandfather picking up a tire iron and chucking it like a ninja star and, and hurting this dog to rescue his child from the clutches of this like hound, you know? But for some reason... Like those stories in us, we, we hear about our, our, our grandfathers, or our fathers, they, they have this like essence of legendary status in us of like, man, I wish I could be that much of a man one day. 
Like I, I, you know, I hoped, I probably couldn't even throw it and get near the dog. The dog just looks at me like, what are you doing? Like, you got a problem? Um, but think about this, is that every season of being a dad requires courage. Parenting's scary. Like when you first go home from the hospital with another living thing that you're responsible for, I remember like, they're certainly gonna come and do some welfare checks, right? Like, they don't trust us with this other human, do they? Like, there's a manual, there's gotta be something that comes along with it. Somebody's gonna come and check in and tell us what we're doing right or wrong. But it's, it's scary, it requires courage. Like, you, you go from the stage of, of sleeplessness and smells, that requires courage, right? Being sleep deprived, it like, requires, like, you, you've, you've gotta be mentally all there. And then as, you, as they begin to get mobile and, and get into things, the most terrifying thing was the sound of silence, right? When it shouldn't be quiet, you're instantly, like there can be noises, but the minute they're quiet, you're like, something's up, right? Because I knew, I knew myself as a kid too. Uh, <laughs> frustrations of the terrible twos, teaching about life. Courage that as children get older and begin to push boundaries and push boundaries and push boundaries, the thought of like, am I, am I being too hard? Am I being too soft? Do I need to let this go? Do I need to dig in? Do I need to teach principles? Like what, what, where, 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 where do I need to do? When parenting is hard, it takes courage to stick with it. And it takes courage that when you feel like you've messed up or blown it as a dad, it requires courage to get up the next day and to do it again. So I want to, uh, if you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in Numbers chapter 13, a little bit in 14, uh, for the majority of today. Uh, we're not going to read all of it. We're not going to be like last week where I took a ton. Um, but before we get into this, uh, this is not a fatherhood text. So you're like, what? Uh, but we're going to see some principles in this. Uh, I, I love this passage of scripture in Numbers 12 and 13. It's a really, really cool account. But let me give us some setup, because earlier in our series, we, we talked about Moses. And this is... Um, this is the moment, or this is the, the season where God has delivered his people out of Egypt. Uh, they're in the wilderness. They're about a, a year to two years outside of Egypt. They're heading towards the land that's flowing with milk and honey, right? That, even that description of it, like we just think about that and we think, uh, I don't know, lotion or chapstick or something, milk and honey. Like it doesn't, that doesn't like produce like this imagery in our heads, but flowing was like, uh, was this um, personification of abundance, of, of a multitude, of, of, of wealth, of, of, of lots and lots. This idea that it's a, um, it's, the Hebrew word is to gush forth abundantly. Um, but milk, we know where milk comes from, comes from the udders of goats, cows, livestock, and it shows that like, if, a, if a cow is emaciated or a goat is emaciated, they're, they're not going to produce as much milk. Um, but the conditions have to be right. And so God is taking them out of slavery. He's leading them through this barren wilderness and he's taking them to a land. And the promise of the land is, hey, it's gonna be a land that's flowing with milk and with honey. Milk meaning that there is, there's livestock there, that there's abundance, that there is a, there is a nourishment that's gonna come to you from the, the bountiful land in which I'm leading you to. Uh, honey, uh, they didn't have stevia. They have sugar. Like honey was, was the sweetest thing that you knew. Honey was, was man, it's, it's life is, is blooming. Things are blooming. The bees are out. They're, they're pollinating. Crops are growing. And the, 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 the essence of that is, is, is honey. And so God is 
telling his people, he's saying, hey, I'm taking you to a land that's gushing forth abundantly with provision upon provision upon blessing. So taking you from horrible situation through the wilderness into something that is great. And so they're, they're on this threshold. They, they get to, uh, you're like, I thought it took 40 years. Uh, we'll get to that. But they're, they're at the threshold where they're about to enter into the land. And they're like, hey, uh, let's not just go in because we all grew up. We wanted to be spies, ninjas as kids. They're like, hey, let's send in 12 spies to go scout things out, right? So they say, hey, we want to send you 12 men into the land which God has promised to give us, this land flowing with milk and honey. Scout it out. Like, do some recon. Find out, like, hey, is there crops there? Is there milk? Is there honey? Important questions. What does the land look like? What's the terrain? What are the people living there like? How do they, you know, how do they talk? How do they walk? How do they, how do they conduct themselves? What, what is, like, go and give us a full detailed report of everything that you can see and come back and tell us. That seems like wise advice, right? Before you move an entire people into somewhere that you know there's going to be enemies, uh, scout it out. So that's where we pick up this story. They've, they've come back from their 40 days of doing this uh, recon ninja thing. Um, and so we're going to pick up in Numbers 13. We're going to start in verse 25. All right, verse 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them fruit that they had taken from the land. They, they pulled back a cluster of grapes that was so large they had to carry it on a pole between two men. Like Costco's got nothing on that, okay? I don't know what, those are not grapes sometimes, Costco. Those are plums, okay? Let's call it what it is. Uh, but they brought back pomegranates. They're like, they're like look, here's a, here's a picture of the abundance of this land, Okay? They're like, hey, I know we could have had some detours, but God said it's flowing with milk and honey. This is probably the land, right? Um, This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it indeed is a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, right? These are all the boxes being checked. God, you said you were gonna take us here, This looks like it. You said that that these things were gonna happen and here we are, we're on the threshold of this promise. Let's go walk in. But, verse 28, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites and the Jezubites and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. But we can certainly conquer it. So this is like the Braveheart scene. He's like, dude, let's get this land. Let's, let's go conquer it. Let's enter into the land. We've seen, we have enough evidence. We know this is where God said to go. Let's take the land. But they start complaining. Verse 31, but the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. Really? All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. So did they interview them? I don't know. Like, 
He's like, hey, yeah, there, there's a couple of giants. And now all of a sudden, this, the, the 10 of the 12 are, are complaining. They're like, no, there's, there's fortified cities. These people, they were giant. They're all, you know, they're all giants. They're all monsters. And in fact, they thought we were, we were grasshoppers. We even interviewed them. A couple of them you know, called us grasshoppers. Like it's this story, this fish story is growing and growing and growing. They started to freak out. They begin to mourn. Now, mourning is okay as a response to, to death, to, to pain, that kind of stuff, but not dwelling in it. But the problem is um, they begin to mourn of what they see. The problem is when we start to blame God when things aren't easy. And so they trusted God's promise. Yeah, they complained in the wilderness, but here they are in the threshold. They're about to take the land, and they start blaming God because it's not easy. They start bl- like, hey, there's, there's some giant, yes, there's giant grapes, but there's also giant people. And giant people eat giant grapes, and giant people can squash us. And they start blaming God. And somehow we can get to places where we expect God to make things easy and we can resent adversity in our lives. God never promised us an easy life. In fact, he, he promised that it would rain on the just and the unjust alike. I mean, Jesus faced more adversity than we could ever imagine, but yet he endured. Um, the problem was that their resentment towards the Lord for blaming them for their problem Mourning gave way to their feeling of fear and unbelief that led to rebellion instead of actually walking in faith. It's kind of like, not to downplay this, but there's this, like, we hear of mom guilt, but there's, there's dad guilt as well. Like in this, this, this idea of mom guilt is like, hey, I, I can't ever do enough. I'm always falling short. Like, it's this idea that com- compared to everyone else that I'm, I, I'm not going to measure up. I don't have, I don't do enough for my kids. Everyone else's life is picture perfect. They can't do enough. But I, I think the, the guilt and the, the fear that, that men have sometimes is not that we can't do enough, is that we'll never be enough. Because what we'll do all day long, but the fear is that I, I, I don't have what it takes, that I'm not enough to do what God has called me to do. Um, so we've been called by God. It takes courage that when the world is going one direction, that we don't go in the same, that we're willing to stand our ground. Not, not, not short-minded, but sure-minded in who God has called us to be and what he's called us to do and how he's called us to lead. Um, the great thing is, that, too, that we're not called to do it alone. Like We're, we're called to the, the body of Christ, the, the, the community of believers, that we're called to, to learn from others, to, to rub shoulders, to, to sharpen one another. That's the beauty of it, that we're not called to do it alone. The second truth in this, as we continue in the story, is that our words have weight. Your words have weight. As dads, our words will leave lasting marks on our kids' lives um, in more ways than one. I, I remember my kids, I love to wrestle with my boys. Um, we do it all the time. And uh, one day we were out on the trampoline. I may have told this before, but uh, we're out on the trampoline and you know, I'm on all fours, they're running around. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to tackle them, I'm trying to get them. And my oldest is there and um, I, I just go and sweep his legs, you know, because I'm trying to get them. And instead of bracing himself, he just like, he does this and falls. And right where he fell was like the edge of the trampoline. 
And, and one of the little hooks of the spring just went right into his forehead. Bless his heart, my son, he has split that same spot of his forehead. I can't even, I don't know how many times I've glued it back together. Like that's, now it was super glue. So like actual, you know, dermabond stuff. But like he split his head wide open and I instantly, you feel like this small as a dad when you physically cause your, not just a little bit of pain, like, but like, oh, there's blood trickling down your face. It's gonna be a scar for the rest of your life. And so like, I'm so, I feel so bad. Uh, and so like we get him in the house, I'm clean it up, put the little steri strips. We're trying to glue his head back together. It's straight, not crooked because you don't like waves in it. Um, but, <laughs> but I'm like, like sometimes as dad, we, we actually leave physical marks on our kids, unfortunately. But our, our words leave marks. Our words carry weight. Not diminishing the weight of other people speaking into them, but our, our words have a certain tonality. We think that they're not listening, but they are. You think that they didn't listen, but they did, and they still are. No, no matter what stage of, of, of parenting or, or, or fatherhood you're in, your kids still listen. Um, the words and approval and affirmation of the dad, those carry significant weight. Um, so let's keep going. So there's this bad report, right? Caleb's like, he's the only one. Or him and, him and Joshua like, hey, you guys need to chill out. This is the land. This is what God promised. This is what we're gonna do. This is where we need to go in. Tries to silence everyone. The crowd erupts. They're, 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 they're. Here we go. Verse, uh, chapter 14, we're starting verse one. Then the whole community began weeping aloud. They cried all night. Their voices rose in great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If we had only died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. There's a common theme, if you notice it, right, of complaining. and They're like, oh, we had plenty to eat back in Egypt. No, you didn't. Like, you didn't have pots of meat sitting around. Like, their, their, their longing for their past was always, uh, they always romanticized it. It was not as good. You were in slavery. They're like, oh, if only we had died then. Constantly complaining, right? Verse three. Why is the Lord taking us to this country to only have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? And they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Pause for just a second. There, there's no voice of courage. There's no one speaking up and saying, dude, stop it. You're freaking out. Calm down. Take a deep breath. Go walk outside. The, 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 the fear has, has not just like crept up. It has boiled to the surface. And now an entire people is crippled by fear. This is exactly where God said to go. This is exactly what God said to do, and here they are, and, and now they're complaining. Now they're like, hey, let's go back into slavery. It'd be better. They need a voice that carries weight to speak up, and here we are, verse five. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down to the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing they said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. 
They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Now, you're like, okay, that's a real situation. There's, there's, there's people in the land. But if you remember when God promised them to go into the land flowing with milk and honey, that was a promise. Now, it wasn't conditional, but there were some circumstances involved in that promise. He says, hey, the land is going to be occupied by other people. That's kind of a good thing because the, the crops don't just tend to themselves. The vineyards don't just dress themselves. The, 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 the goats don't just milk themselves. He said, hey, there's going to be people in the land I'm sending you to. But, but as you walk into the land, I'm going to drive them out. These are enemies. They, they, they worship idols. They sacrifice children. They're, they're horrible, detestable people. And I'm going to drive them out and you're going to inherit their land. So when they, they, they know this, they've heard this, and when they get to the threshold of the land before they go in, they're like, there's evil people here. Yeah. God said it, right? It's kind of like when your, your kid hears a piece of advice that you've given them a thousand times, but they hear it from someone else, and they're like, this is brilliant. You're like, if only someone would have said it, right? You know. But here they're, they're like, there's people there. And God's like, yeah. Moses is like, yeah. Aaron, Joshua, Caleb's like, yeah. This is exactly what God promised. This is what God said. Let's take the land. And they're like, no, because we see adversity, God's not in it. Because we see adversity, God's not with us. Because we see adversity and we see problems, it's that intersection of am I fueled by faith or by fear? Which one am I going to focus on? Which, which one am I going to stare at? And the voice of courage, the one whose words carry weight, they speak up to the crowd. Moses and Aaron, they fall down before the Lord. Joshua and Caleb, they they, they speak up. I love this in the ESV. Verse 9 says, Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread to us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. He is talking smack, right? He's like, they're, they're bread to us. They're sustenance. We're, we're going to gobble them up. Like, they're nothing. They're not an enemy. They're not an adversary. They're like bread. And here he is. He, he chooses to speak words of life. He's pointing to the facts. He's pointing to the promise. He's pointing to what God has brought them through in the threshold. He's speaking from a place of courage and hope and determination. It's easy to have faith for other people. One of the things that's passages is constantly convicting and challenging me when it comes to speaking words is Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Um, As dads, we need to speak life. We need to speak potential. We think back on our lives and we believe things about ourselves that, that somebody spoke over us. Let's be men who speak with courage and who lay a foundation of where the promises of God 
over those that, that we have the privilege that they look up to us, that we get to speak into their lives. And number three, we can't just say something is a priority. We have to model it. You can't just say something is a priority. You, you actually have to model it. You can generally tell by, by looking at someone's life. Here's something I, I noticed years ago uh, is in, a, in our neighborhood or even uh, where we used to live is you see people walking in a neighborhood, but there is a certain age. I'm not, I'm not hating on anyone. There is a certain age where there's, you notice something different about when dudes walk through a neighborhood because they carry a stick with them. You ever notice this? Or a golf club or like a broken end of a broom or a shovel handle. Like, you know, like, I, I don't know. It's like a baton. But there, there's a certain age where they're, it's like this, you know, speak softly and carry a big stick. Uh, it's so interesting to see because you see like younger people walk into the neighborhood just by themselves. And you see an older person just like strutting along with like a seven foot long piece of two by four with them. You know, it's like, here we go. I'm like, he's ready for it. He's ready. He's like, oh, a stray dog's going to come at me. I don't have a tire iron, but I got a two by four. You know, come at me, dude. It's, they, they grew up in this generation that they're like, I, I, I'm going to have to defend myself. The, the younger generation's like, somebody's going to come along, right? Somebody's going to have a cell phone nearby that can protect me or do something about this. But there's, a, there's something beautiful I love about the generation that they just, they don't care. They walk around with a giant stick or a golf club or whatever it is. You, you can tell what they prioritize. You can tell by someone how someone walks in their life by what they believe, by what they prioritize, by what they value. They can, they can say one thing, but when you watch how they walk, that's what's true. And as, as dads, we can't just say something is a priority. We have to model it. We can't say that following Jesus is a priority. They need to see it. We can't say that spending time studying his word is a priority. They need to see it. They can't say that generosity, we can't tell them, hey, be generous if they don't see it modeled in us first. If they don't see even the, the, the need for grace in us. We can't just say something as a priority. We have to model it. And we see it in Moses and Aaron. They fall down on the floor. They're, they're weeping before the Lord. They, they posture themselves before the Lord because their heart is broken for these people who are rebelling. Joshua and Caleb, they, they, they tear their clothes, which was like this, this act of just like utter dismay of just, of just how, how could you? This mourning, this, this, this holy frustration there, it's not just a display that, that's, that's the inside of what's going on. You're, well, here we are at the threshold of God's promise and you, you guys just, you can't have enough faith for one extra step. He's saying, look, we're gonna, we're gonna model it. Forgiving. Um, uh, I had this thought the other day. Because, um, you know, the expectation is we gotta be perfect. None of us are gonna be perfect. As dads, as moms, as siblings, as whatever, you're, you're never going to be perfect. Let's, let's get that mentality. But we, can, we, we try hard. We try to be better. We try to, to do more. And this thought is, um, if you've got kids in elementary school, like at the very last week, very last two weeks of school, kind of are just like pajama parties and hangouts, right? Um, but there, there's always these award days. And, um, you know, 
they send an email to the parents. If your kid's getting an award, there's like A, B, honor roll. There's all the different things. And uh, I had a busy week and some of my kids were, had, you know, awards that were going to be at. And I was kind of like, this is a horrible dad. All right, like, do I need to go? Judge me, whatever. Uh, but I was kind of like, I was like, do I really need, do I really, like, there is, I mean, because they weren't at the same time. So there's like three different hour blocks in this week. And, like, and, and I was thinking about this and I was like, and, and instantly I felt like it was the Holy Spirit just spoke this over me. Because I was like, they're not going to, they're not going to remember if I was there. You know, they're not going to be like, in third grade, I remember when I got the most artistic award that my dad was sitting there on the 37th row next to my mom, squished between, you know. But this thought came to, from the Holy Spirit. So they're not going to remember if you were there, but they're going to remember if you weren't. I was like, oh, all right, let's get in the car. <laughs> um. Now, yeah, they're going to remember times when we, we showed up in their life, but don't pass over opportunities because of busyness. Don't pass over opportunities because they remember those things. And yeah, they're, they're not going to need counseling one day because you missed a t-ball game, I promise you. They're going to be fine. But make it a habit of not just being at the pinnacle moments, but, but showing up in the everyday life. Showing up when it counts showing up when it matters, showing up when it doesn't matter and doesn't count, show up. We can't just say they're a priority. We have to model it. And number four is that our greatest legacy will be how we lead spiritually. The greatest legacy that we will leave will be how we lead spiritually. There's, there's so many things I want, I want to pass down to my kids. Um, I hope that they cheer for the Gamecocks. Um, even my middle child, even my middle child, he's a Clemson fan, we're working on him, pray for him. Uh, I, I hope my kids um, love to cook. I, I hope my kids, I hope I pass down the, the idea that anything can be fixed or try to fix it at least, don't just replace it, okay? I know you can get a new one on Amazon in two days, but at least try to fix it first. Um, just, I don't know if it's just me or if I'm just cheap. Um, my, my attention to detail. Um, I hope my kids learn to turn a light off when you leave a room. Can we, dads, can we get an amen to that one? Come on. Oh, what's with that? Um, I hope my kids learn to have a sense of awe at seeing God's handiwork in creation. I hope they're not just too busy that they see the details. Um, I hope my kids learn the importance of practicing hospitality and opening up our home. I hope my kids uh, have a love for food. That I, I mean, obviously I love food, but to love to cook, to love to explore. I hope my boys see me love and adore their mom. I hope they, they see and I hope I model well what it means to be a good husband. I hope my daughter sees by the way I treat her mom how a wife should be treated one day. There are so many things. If I had to make a list of things that I, I, I wish I could pass down to my children. Um, but when, when my kids look back at the summation of their life, when my grandchildren one day, a long time from now, look back on the summation of their life, 
it's not gonna be my love for pasta that was handed down or even my attention to detail. The lasting thing, the lasting legacy that I hope to be passed down for generation to generation is a love for Jesus Christ and the importance of being connected to the body of Christ and building disciples. If my grandchildren get nothing else but that, I have run well. We can put all of these expectations and all these, these, these things on us. But when we boil it down, when we are dead and gone, the things that last is, is not our hobbies, is not our, our inclinations. The thing that will outlast us is if we instill an importance of following Jesus. Ephesians 6 Verses one through four says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Amen, right? Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well for you, that you may live long in the land. It's like a life verse for many of us, right? Verse four, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Parenting is hard. It's not a coincidence that like just a few verses later in that, Paul talks about spiritual warfare and putting on the armor of God, which is kind of funny. <laughs> Think about parenting, you're like, yeah, shield up, you know? But, but those words of the translations for, for training, uh, for discipline and instruction are training and admonishing. Those are the same two words that, that are used throughout the New Testament of talking about the purpose of scripture. It's to train and admonish, to discipline and instruct. That's, that's not a, apart from spiritual principles. He's saying, hey, fathers, train and instruct. Teach them the ways of God. Teach them the importance of God's word. Help them to see my faithfulness despite what they see. Be a voice of courage who speaks up, who understands the weight of your words. Be somebody who speaks life, who, who, who doesn't just show up in the, the pinnacle moments, but in every moment. Be consistent. Model it. Don't just say it. And most importantly, that we would live lives that we would want to see our grandchildren's grandchildren live. So I want to I wanna actually end a little bit differently today. Some of y'all may feel weird. I want to ask all the men to stand for just a minute, if you don't mind. And I want to end, I just want to speak a blessing and pray over the men in the room. Even I love this, that as Joshua begins to lead the people into the, into the land, God has this moment where he challenges Joshua. He says, hey, be strong and courageous. careful to follow my ways. Don't depart to the right or to the left. And he says it again. He says, be strong and courageous. Teach your children my word. Be strong and courageous over and over again. He says, be strong and courageous. 
Man, God did not make an accident when he put those around you for you to shepherd and to lead. Whether you're dad, whether you're a spiritual father, God called you, God anointed you, God appointed you. So church, let's pray. I wanna pray with the men. Father, we thank you for the dads represented here. We thank you for being the perfect father. Despite what we had or may not have had growing up, we look to you for truth. We look to you as a perfect example because you are slow to anger and abounding in love. You do not hold our sins against us, but God, you give us mercy and grace and forgiveness. And God, I pray over a generation of men of fathers today. That Lord, as they are standing here, their story is not finished. Doesn't matter how old their children may be. It doesn't matter where they may be. God, you still have a plan and a purpose for them. God, I pray that you would help them to see themselves as fathers and as dads, to speak life to those around them, whether they are their own children or not. God, you would anoint them as leaders and call them to more. And God, as a people who follow you, help us all to run the race well. So God, we thank you for this day celebrate the work of Jesus in our lives and we say thank you thank you Father I pray a blessing over these men I pray a blessing over this people today for your glory and your name alone amen 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 church we love you I hope you have an awesome day happy Father's Day grab a donut or two or three we love you and we'll see you next week Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at therenovation.church.